Ramaji, uh, in the last program, you spoke a little bit about obedience, and I wanted to ask you how important obedience is in the spiritual life. You know, obedience to somebody who's not wise is wrong. He can ask you things that are not right for you. This is one of the great mistakes in the in the churches, especially the Catholic Church, where they have monast monastics and they're they have this vow of obedience. But and to test I've read, I haven't I can hardly believe it, but people assure me it's the truth that nuns are sometimes in order to learn obedience told to plant a plant in upside down in the ground. Um this is not a good thing. The idea of getting rid of the ego is very valid. But to do something that is an offense to your discrimination and to your common sense, that can't be good. We've got to use our common sense. And to suspend my ability to discriminate, that can't be good. Divin discrimination is a divine quality. And so to follow a man who is a man of God, to follow a guru, one who knows God, as my guru, he said, I will never tell you anything that God himself does not tell me to ask you or to tell you. That is right. But for a fool to tell me to um, do this on the, uh, for the idea of overcoming my ego, that weakens my willpower, which is one of the main qualities I have to grow spiritually. If I do something that offends my common sense and my discrimination, I have to suspend my willpower. That's not good. I say that obedience in that sense is not holy. It's wrong. But still, listening to people and letting anybody, I, I, I've, even a fool, if he tells, tells me the truth, I'll follow what he says. I'm, I listen to him, not to, what, not to him as a person, but what he's saying. And if it's the truth, then I don't want my ego to stand in the way. Yeah, sorry. I was wondering if you could talk about how to develop discrimination and not let it go into judgment. Discrimination. Well, the judgment is when I'm discriminating against you, I need to discriminate for myself. Discrimination doesn't mean well, you're white and you're not black and therefore you're good. Um, that's, that's wrong discrimination. A black person is just as much a child of God as a white person. The color of your skin doesn't matter. Whether you're Jewish or Christian doesn't matter. It's who you are as a person. But you're not my business anyway. Whether you do a right thing or the wrong thing, the main thing is I should use my discrimination to look at myself. Am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing? Will what I do hurt somebody? Then it's wrong. If it hurts even one person, it's wrong. So that which will, I can judge a thing to be valid primarily in terms of will it make me happier? Will it make me freer? Will it make me feel more oneness of the oneness of life? This is a very important thing. We must understand that God is everywhere, and I must see his oneness in all. Swamiji, by discrimination I meant more 
in situations you see something that you consider to be wrong, but you don't want to judge the person, you just want to judge the situation. So developing... Right. And in that way, it helps, for example, living in a community as we do, it's a great help to develop discrimination because you see people over many years, and if they make mistakes, you can see that that mistake changes their consciousness and makes them less happy. If they become thinking in terms of what's in it for me first, they become smaller, meaner, unhappier. They're never happy. When you live with, see people over the years who give to others, they become more noble, more expansive, more giving, happier in themselves. This way, discrimination is good, but not to judge it to other people, just say, for me, therefore, I choose not to be that way. It, uh, to judge other people that way and think better or, le or less of them is not good because they may have this battle to fight and you may have another battle to fight. Don't worry about where they are. Think about where you are. What uh, do you think makes an action right or wrong? Well, I think I've answered that fairly thoroughly. A good action is that which helps you to think more of God, to expand your consciousness. Okay, I give uh, a penny to a beggar, let's say. I feel that I'm commiserating with him to that extent. I was in Rome recently, and there was a man singing, and he had a little hat there for coins. He was singing very well. I wanted to help him. I gave him five euros, which I couldn't toss into the hat. It might have blown away, so I gave it to him. But I felt that he's, he's doing a good thing. I wanted to share in that. Why, why just listen and not, not be grateful for it? So I wanted to thank him for doing it. The more you share with other people, the more you know that you're doing the right thing. If I say something unkind about you, there's a certain amount of pleasure in unkindness. You notice that people, when they say something mean about something, they, <laughs> they, in fact, almost always, if they say something mean, they'll laugh. But it's a mean laughter. And it's really to conceal the fact that they know they shouldn't have done it. And they're trying to make you think that they didn't, didn't do wrong after all. So watch your true happiness. Laughter isn't necessarily happy laughter. Swamiji, did Yogananda ever challenge your discrimination, force you to um, force your own discrimination to become keener or more sensitive? He did indeed, and uh, he could be pretty fierce at that too. I know one time um, he he had uh, he had said that he expected his Gita commentaries to come out that year. That was the December, 4 December, 1950. It didn't come out until 45 years later. Anyway, uh, I went to the editor of this and I told her with a smile, the master says that this book will be finished in, uh, uh, by the end of this year. Oh, can't possibly finish it by then. So I went back to him and I said she couldn't possibly do it. And he said, delays, delays, always delays. I'm going to write her a letter. Well, I thought that he was going to write her a scolding letter. 
So when I gave her the letter, I said, please forgive me, it's my fault. So I was trying to be, uh, trying to take the blame. As a matter of fact, he didn't write that because he knew that it wouldn't help her. And uh, so I created a big problem between them because she knew that he had really scolded her but hadn't said it to her face. And he took me to task for that. Well, that was a pretty thin line of discrimination there, wasn't it? And, but he said, you must watch your words. Don't, the, your, when the words are right, they will do good. This did harm. So I still don't quite understand, but there it is. <laughs> do you think he was saying always speak goodness or what? Yeah, of course he was saying that. He was saying that you, to speak the truth means to speak the kind truth, to speak the wholesome truth. Not to say, you look sick as a dog, <laughs> which may push you over the limit, <laughs> over the edge. Mm -hmm. So, okay? Swamiji, um, how would you discriminate enough? How would an average person, if there is such a thing as an average person, discriminate enough to know in a situation whether to offer obedience or... Uh, to someone, how would they know whether this situation is something to, to follow or tune into? I think that we sometimes, after all, we do make mistakes and then we suffer for those mistakes. We don't have discrimination just by being born into a human body. We have to learn over many lifetimes. It can take millions of lifetimes before a person learns finally that this is not going to give it to me, that may. And that doesn't give it to me, this may. Like this man in the uh, boot camp in the Second World War, who was going around picking up pieces of paper and saying, this isn't it, this isn't it. They thought he was going crazy, so they recommended him to the, a camp psychiatrist. And he went to the camp psychiatrist's office and he picked up pieces of paper from the desk, this isn't it. This isn't, it wouldn't say anything else. Finally, the camp psychiatrist recommended him for a medical discharge. When he got this paper, he picked it up, he said, this is it, and he ran off. <laughs> so we have to go through many lifetimes of understanding. It didn't work. Maybe this will work. You say, as many people do say, I don't remember my past lives, so how do I know? But you do know certain things. There's some, some things are embedded into you. Don't remember specifically what you did. But for example, I have never wanted to gamble. It's odd that I should say so because I won my first money in life gambling. I was six months old and my parents had put some money down and won $500 for me. But I have just had this instinctive distaste for gambling and uh, I think that it's uh, that I experienced it before and I found that's not the way to get money it's it's uh, it's wrong there are certain things that I just know that you know that all of us know we should be kind to people we want to be kind to people because we've had the experience of being unkind and seeing them suffer and there was one girl that I made suffer when I was a young man I still feel badly for her. 
and it just hurts me that I, I uh, was cold to her when she was being, she was in love with me and I didn't love her and that's okay, but I could have been kinder. And uh, I just cut her off like that and I still feel somewhat badly for that. These experiences over many lifetimes lead us to the point where we understand that we need to see God in everybody. So absolute rights and wrongs don't exist except that they lead us toward that absolute bliss, which is the complete submergence of the ego in the consciousness that he is everything. So how do we know what to do? Ask yourself, does, do I feel better in myself? Do I feel cleaner? Do I feel kinder? Do I feel more loving toward people? Do I feel happier? Do I feel more expansive? All these positive things come when our attitude is right.